What If World is supported by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Hey there, what ifers! If you haven't already guessed, today's episode will be a little different. What If World has teamed up with a bunch of our friends to bring you the Kids Listen Summer Sampler, an hour of high-quality audio for kids and families to listen to as you make your moves this holiday weekend. Or whenever else, for that matter. All of our shows are part of Kids Listen, a grassroots community advocating for high-quality audio for kids. You'll hear five-minute versions of ten amazing podcasts, including, of course, a What If World mini-episode answering one of your questions. So turn your listening ears up to 11, because your mixtape starts right now. This is What If Hey there, folks, and welcome to What If World, the show where your questions inspire off-the-cuff stories. DJ Everly away, lay a beat on us. Oh yeah, I forgot she's usually late for things. I'm just going to press play on, on her playlist. I'm Mr. Rarick, and I'm hosting a What If World cookout for all your favorite characters. I don't know if Potty the Pirate is anyone's favorite character. Oh, Potty, don't talk about yourself that way. All I do is make stew, a pot of stew. Oh, that's why you're called Potty the Pirate? I thought it was because... Mr. Eric, let us not speculate on such... Improper things. Uh, uh, sorry, Fair Elise. Now, do you have room for a glitter burger on your grill? A glitter burger? Is that what fairies eat? Am I late for the cookout party? Uh, you're not late, Dracomax, but I didn't actually send you an invitation. My backyard isn't really big enough for- Oh, I see. There is all this fencing in the way. Let me knock over all this fence so I have more room and you can get to know your neighbors. I I would prefer if you- (laughs) Mr. Eric, we should answer a what-if question, no? Wow, Cleocatra? I'm kind of starstruck. As you should be. Now make sure you play a question about me, the kitty queen of ancient Egypt. Rosie and I'm four. Hello, Rosie. And my question is what if I didn't think it might be Petey? Oh, oh, Petey's here. I think it might be Cleocatra. Oh, yes, indeed. And I was thinking if Cleocatra was eating a green bean and, I he, love and green she beans. bit her finger, her nail, and then she got turned into a unicorn that could walk and talk at the same time as flying. Uh, 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 I wanted to be a unicorn that can walk and talk at the same time as flying. Well, too bad. Now, where is a green bean? Did someone say magic? No. No, Abacus, we did not. Well, I just said magic. Ta-da! Professor Abacus P. Grumbler is here to save the day with his green bean casserole. I think it's just called a a casserole. Oh, I guess I've only ever seen it written down. Yarn, if I eat one of these green beans, I can turn into a unicorn first. Go. 
Step away from the green beans. Okay, everyone, hey, there's plenty of green bean casserole to go around. Yes, but it's only got enough magic to turn one of you into a unicorn. Abacus, you know, why'd you have to say that? Younger! Shing. With pleasure. Shing, 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 Folks at home, um, Petey is just using a sword sound app on my phone, um, and Cleocatra's sort of batting around at the air, uh, in front of the phone. No, it's an epic battle twixt good and evil. Oh, I can't watch. Because your eyes are closed, Abacus. Everyone stop fighting. I've got the grill going and there's enough glitter burgers for everybody. Aha, I finally have the green bean. I bit the nail. No! All right, well, I'll take a glitter burger then. Oh, dear. Cleocatra is turning into a big unicorn who can walk and... Ha! Uh, Potty, I actually usually do the narrating in these stories. Story? I am not in a story. Well, really, this is more of a mini-episode. Well, I think it's more of a... Well, while you were all arguing... Cleocatra has turned us all into glitter burgers. All right, nobody move. I'm an expert at being transformed into things by accident. This was on purpose. All right, I'm out of ideas. Uh, 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 I'm sorry uh, I was late to the party. Everly away! Everly away! Ever what? Our giant magic spider DJ. I see there's been a magical mishap. Let me drop a dispelling beat. And as Everly Away reached for her turntable to drop a bead of dispelling, Cleocatra swooped in Unicorn Horn first. Unicorn Horn and Spider Leg touched the track at the same time and... Oh, why is everyone looking at me? It's weird. You're narrating something that's happening to you. You should just turn it off every once in a while, you know? The two of them are having this really epic battle, and I, I feel like I should be narrating it for, for... And encourage Unicorn on magic spider violence? Yeah, that'd be irresponsible, Mr. Eric. Oh, man. Hey, we're all back to normal. Beaten by a simple immortal disc jockey with magic powers. I am losing my edge. Hey, it's okay, Cleocatra. We all fail sometimes. Yarr! Mr. Eric's cookout's a complete disaster, for example. Okay, okay we, we didn't have to go there. But it's making me feel better. And I broke his whole backyard. That's not really on message, Dracobax. And I used to be a pretty glitter burger. But now I'm just an old pirate again. Alright, so we've all had some ups and downs today. But at least the burgers are done. Look at these bright and shiny glitter burgers. Yeah, can I get one medium glare? Where is the sparkle kraut? Well, I hope you enjoyed our little cookout. And remember, you can download What If World wherever you listen to podcasts. Can someone imagine a gluten-free bun that actually tastes good, please? This is What If World. Hey everyone, happy summer! My name is Angela Ferrari and I'm the host of Story Spectacular. I love telling fun stories like this one Red, White, and Blueberries. Once upon a time, there was a magical place called Lucky Lake where happy little critters like to gather. 
There was Lucy the loon. Hello. Cleaver the beaver. Howdy. And a young little frog named Tad. Nice to meet you, Ribbit. On the very first day of summer, the three animal friends decided to throw a summer season celebration. Let's do something fun and festive, said Lucy the loon. How about a colorful feast, said Cleaver the beaver. Oh, yeah. We can eat a bunch of tasty flies, said Tad the Frog. Uh, maybe we can agree on a different menu choice instead, dear. Yeah, how about we have a feast of red, white, and blueberries? Hooray, that sounds great. We can each choose a color and gather the berries, then meet back here at the shore to have our lavish meal. Let's go for it. Lucy the loon dove into the water and swam across the lake. She knew of a lovely blueberry patch that grew just along the shoreline by the old birch tree. Lucy gracefully swam up to the berry bushes and began picking the tiny sweet fruits with her beak. Meanwhile, Cleaver the beaver scurried over to a secret strawberry patch over by his beaver dam. Oh boy, these red strawberries are perfectly ripe. They're gonna make a scrumptious snack. At that very moment, Tad the Frog was hopping around looking for white-colored berries. Mm, white berries, white berries, where could they be? He hopped across the shore and into the woods, but there were no white berries to be found. Huh, who knew white-colored berries would be so hard to find? Just then, Tad spotted something shining in the distance. He hopped his way over to get a closer look. Next to a fallen log was a patch of tiny white pebbles. Eureka! Tad the Frog mistook the shiny pebbles for white berries. These must be the mysterious fruits I've been searching for. Ha ha! Tad the Frog selected his three favorites and then began hopping his way back to the shore of Lucky Lake. Meanwhile, Cleaver the beaver and Lucy the loon had already made their way back with the freshly harvested blueberries and strawberries. They waited anxiously for Tad the frog. Where could he be? The sun is about to set. Oh dear, I hope he finds his way back soon. Let's call out to him. Cleaver thumped his big beaver tail on the soft ground and Lucy made a loud loon call. Tad the Frog was feeling quite lost, but heard the other animals calling to him in the distance and found his way back to the shore safe and sound. Oh, thank goodness you're back. I sure am. And look what I found. White berries. Oh boy, I can't wait to take a bite. Me too. Leaver the Beaver and Lucy the Loon tried to take a bite of the berries, but quickly came to realize that they weren't berries at all, but in fact were instead shiny pebbles. Uh, sorry to burst your bubble, Tad, but these are rocks, little buddy. Ah, uh, no, they are. Oh, gee, I tried to do my best, but instead I ruined our red, white, and blueberry celebration. Tad began to cry. <laughs> but Lucy the loon smiled and patted the little frog with her wing. 
There, there, little friend, it's all right. Yeah, we still have plenty of red strawberries and blueberries to share. Hey, why don't we do something special with the pebbles instead? Tad dried his eyes. Like what? <laughs> Let's each make a wish and toss the pebbles into Lucky Lake. Great idea, Lucy. Here you go first, Tad. I wish to go on more fun outdoor adventures. <laughs> and I wish for plenty of rain and sunshine this summer so all the plants and animals will be happy and healthy. I wish for lots more fun celebrations with friends. Lucy, Cleaver, and Tad threw their pebbles into Lucky Lake. Now let's chow down on some berries. (laughs) (laughs) The three friends spent the whole evening feasting and celebrating and all of their wishes came true. The end. And now for a taste of a show called Noodle Loaf, where each episode is a series of short games that are fun for the whole family, so you can sing, laugh, and play while you're on your way. We begin with an echo song. All you need to do is sing what I sing after I sing it. My co-host Joni is in there to help you along. Red balloon, red balloon, oh so pretty, oh so pretty, dance so high, dance so high, sing so sweet.
That's right. It's time to do some rhyming. Mm, I love rhyming. Yeah, me too. Especially in this weather. But wait, no. I said rhyming. What's a rhyming? You know who Jacques Cousteau is, but you don't know what a rhyme is? Teach me. Right. Sorry. A rhyme, simply put, is when two words sound the same, like door and more, or glove and love. Or weird beard. You got it. So here's how you play. I'll say some words over this beat. All you have to do is say a word that rhymes with the word that I said. Try to say it to the beat of the song if you can. All right, let's do it. Cat. Dog. (laughs) Bird. Cow. Goat. Monkey. You're a rhyme time animal. We're on a roll. Next round starts soon. Ready? Go. Couch. Chair. Mm-hmm. Bed. Rug. Light. Hall. You fill the house with rhymes. We're having fun. Next round starts in three, two, one. Head. Shoulder. Knees. Toe. Hand. Heart. Body part, rhyming parts, timing arts to kids and cars. Kids and kitchens, take a listen. Next round's about to start. Tree. Leaf. Twig. <laughs> Bark. Root. Dirt. Rhymes with nature. I'm having fun with nomenclature in your home or on a date trip. Last round, go. Jelly. Pancake. Onion. Mustard. Pie crust. Guacamole. Those ones were difficult for kids and adults, but if you did your best, that's the most important part. Part. If this was your first bite of noodle loaf, I do hope you search wherever you listen to podcasts so we can do more singing, laughing, moving, and learning together. Hello, this is Mirabelle Power. This is a special episode of Book Power for Kids, where the Power Kids review and act out our favorite books for you. Today I'm reviewing Corduroy by Don Freeman, published by Puffin Books in 1968. It has 32 pages and it's a picture book. Synopsis Corduroy is a teddy bear who lives in the toy store, and he really wants to be Bop. He wants to have a friend and a home. One day, a little girl came up to him and looked right at him. She wanted to buy him. She asked her mom if she could. Her mom said no, because she had already spent too much money and he was missing a button. Corduroy was sad. He decided to look for his button that night. Characters Corduroy, have you seen my button? Is determined to find his button. He climbed all the way up a mountain and into a palace to look for it. Lisa, can I buy him? Is very nice. She thinks Corduroy is the perfect teddy bear. Lisa's mom, not today, dear.
Sounds like she's had a long day of shopping. The night watchman. How do you get up there? Guards the store at night. He is surprised to see Kodora upstairs. Book power four kids. My opinion. I think it's a good book. It's imaginary, which is fun. I like that Kodora calls the escalator a mountain and the showroom a palace. I like the pictures a lot. It's nice that there are sad parts and parts that are happy. The ending makes me feel really happy. I like when Corduroy thinks the mattress button is his button, but when he tries to pick it up, it doesn't budge. I think you should definitely read this book. It's good for pretty much any age. Here's part of the book. Corduroy is a bear who once lived in the toy department of a big store. Day after day, he waited with all the other animals and dolls for somebody to come along and take him home. The store was always filled with shoppers buying all sorts of things, but no one ever seemed to want a small bear in green overalls. Then one morning, a little girl stopped and looked straight into Corduroy's bright eyes. Oh, mommy, look! There's the very bear I've always wanted. Ah, <sighs> not today, dear. I've spent too much already. Besides, he doesn't look new. He's lost the button to one of his shoulder straps. Corduroy watched them sadly as they walked away. I didn't know I lost a button. He thought to himself. Tonight I'll go see if I can find it. Late that evening, when all the shoppers had gone and the doors were shut and locked, Corduroy climbed carefully down from his shelf and began searching everywhere on the floor for his lost button. Suddenly, he felt the floor moving under him. Quite by accident, he had stepped onto an escalator, and up he went. Could this be a mountain? I think I've always wanted to climb a mountain. He stepped off the escalator as it reached the next floor, and there, before his eyes, was a most amazing sight: tables and chairs and lamps and sofas and rows and rows of beds. This must be a palace. I guess I've always wanted to live in a palace. He wandered around, admiring the furniture. This must be a bed. I've always wanted to sleep in a bed. He crawled up onto a large, thick mattress. All at once, he saw something small and round. Why, here's my button! He cried, and he tried to pick it up. But like all the other buttons on the mattress, it was tied down tight. He yanked and pulled with both paws until pop, off came the button, and off the mattress, Corduroy toppled, bang, into a tall floor lamp. Over it fell with a crash. <laughs> To find our show, check out our website at bookpowerforkids.com, or subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you want to read any of the books we've reviewed, you can purchase them wherever books are sold, or check them out at your local library. Bye. Retake. Today I'm reviewing Corduroy by Don Freeman, published. Published. Publix. There you go. Publix. Your shopping is a pleasure. <laughs> Are you done with the advertisement? <laughs>This is Ria, creator of Little Stories for Tiny People, a story podcast with lovable characters, semi-ridiculous storylines, and a big heart. 
summertime is rapidly approaching, and I want to share part of one of my most popular summer-themed stories. It's called School's Out for Little Hedgehog. Listen as Little Hedgehog and her ever-loyal, ever-monotone best friend, Bibi, try to convince Little Hedgehog's dad to take them on a summer adventure. Let's take a listen. As the last day of school came to a close, Little Hedgehog saw her opportunity. All of the little animals were saying goodbyes and promising to keep in touch. Little Hedgehog looked at Bibi and gave a nod. Bibi dutifully hit play on the music player she'd hidden in her prickles. As all of the tiny heads turned to look, Little Hedgehog launched into a highly choreographed dance routine, complete with teensy paw claps, twirls, so many twirls, and random kicks. It was the kind of performance that brought a smile to everyone's face. By the time she finished with a curtsy combined with a high kick, all of the parents had arrived for pickup. Little Hedgehog's dad watched and shook his head in awe of his funny little daughter. Little Hedgehog handed out some whimsical farewell gifts and tiny cards with scratch-and-sniff stickers. She gave hugs all around. It was time to go. Little Hedgehog's dad turned to her as they walked side by side towards home. Little Hedgehog, I I just wanted to say I noticed how hard you worked this year and how kind you were to your teacher and your friends. I'm proud of you. I bet you're ready to take a load off and relax this summer. Just hang out by the pool and watch the little hedgehog thrust a paper into her dad's paw. Here's our summer itinerary for you to review, Dad. Summer itinerary? Our schedule. It's a schedule, Mr. Hedgehog. Bibi! Ugh, you scared me. I need to put a bell on you or something. Bibi just smiled. Dad looked at the sheet of paper. The writing was so tiny he had to squint. Little Hedgehog. Yes, Dad? This is an impressively long schedule you have here. Fly a kite. Okay, that's not bad. Win a karaoke competition. Dad glanced at Little Hedgehog and Bibi, who had stars in their eyes. Travel to the edge of the forest, then keep going till we can't see it anymore? Why Why would we want to be the first hedgehogs in space? Seriously? Little Hedgehog grinned. What? I thought I saw a rocket ship over beyond the tree line one evening, Dad. We're fairly certain we saw a space voyaging vehicle over yonder, Mr. Hedgehog. Dad just looked at them both, shook his head, and turned his attention back to his daughter's list of summer goals. There's a back, too? This is double-sided? Dad flipped over the paper and continued reading. Will Little Hedgehog and BB convince Dad to take them on a magical adventure? Will they be the first hedgehogs in space? 
find little stories for tiny people on your favorite podcast app and listen to Schools Out for Little Hedgehog to hear the rest of this story, as well as dozens of other delightful stories for bedtime or anytime. Thanks so much for listening in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Be Calm on Awe Island. We hope you're enjoying the stories and information our fellow Kids Listen podcasts have shared on this special road trip playlist. If you are driving and want to join us too, please pull your vehicle over for a little rest. After all, we can be pretty relaxing. Wiggle your body gently and lean back into your seat. Let the seat support and hug you as you settle in. Look outside through your window and find a cloud, a star, or just gaze out at the deep, blue sky. Let's relax by taking three deep dragon breaths. Breathe in through your nose, filling up your belly, and then out through your mouth, pretending you are breathing fire. Ready? Deep dragon breath in and out. Feel your legs, back, and belly soften as you gaze at the sky. Again, deep dragon breath in and out. As your chest, arms, and shoulders relax, you feel calm as you gaze into the distance. Last one. Fill up your chest and belly, deep dragon breath in and out. Enjoy the feeling as your head, face, and neck soften, completely relax. Enjoy the feeling of relaxation and hold your hands out as if you are holding a beach ball. You are holding a ball of energy. Slowly move your hands apart. Imagine colors swirling gently through the ball. Now move your hands towards each other. Notice the warmth. Move your hands apart again as you look out at the deep blue sky. Relax and think about the ones you love. That love 
pours into the ball in your hands. The energy ball grows warmer and bigger as you fill it with love. Move your hands towards each other once again and continue gazing at the soothing blue sky. Move your hands apart one more time. Your colorful ball of loving energy flows into two. You hold one gently swirling energy ball in each hand. Picture the ones you love once more and let the loving ball of energy flow to them. You are sharing love and gratitude with the world. Hold the other ball of energy up to your chest and allow the love to melt gently into your body. Your heart feels happy and warm as you place both your hands on your chest. Enjoy the feeling of love warm your body. Gaze at the sky and continue to feel the warmth of the energy. Keep your hands on your heart. Deep dragon breath in and out. Feel your legs, back, and belly soften. Again, deep dragon breath in and out. As your chest, arms, and shoulders relax. Last one. Fill up your chest and belly. Deep dragon breath in and out. Enjoy the feeling as your head, face, and neck soften, completely relaxed. Loving energy surrounds you, and you are cherished. Great job, everyone. I hope you're feeling nice and cozy. Come and join us to be calm on Awe Island anytime you want to relax. Hi, welcome to Cool Facts About Animals. This is Allie, and I'm here with Clara, who's seven. Hi! And Corduroy, <laughs> who's a bear. Hi again! Grady, who's nine. Hi. And Jaguar, who's a jaguar. And Teddy, who is five. Hi! And we are going to be talking about... So we are going to fit in as many facts as we can in the next five minutes. Oh, say can you see? Fact number one. Bald eagles can swim. So what does it look like when they swim? It looks 
ridiculously doggy paddle. No, eagle paddle. Eagle paddle. Okay, Teddy, how big are their nests? 104. No, usually they're about... They're 4,000 tons is what he means. Neither of those things are true. No, normally they're about 5 feet in diameter, which is about the size of a, a human woman. They can be as big as 9 feet across, 20 feet deep, which is about the size of a giraffe. And how much can they weigh? 2 tons, which is 4,000 pounds. And you know what? That's also as much as a giraffe weighs. I'm starting to wonder if bald eagles are actually giraffes. In the <laughs> sky. No, bald eagle nests are actually giraffes. In disguise. Okay, next fact. They are a national bird. And was everyone like, bald eagle, that should be our national nope. bird? Okay, so who didn't think so? Ben Franklin said they were of bad moral character and do not get their living, honestly. What did you mean by that? That's kind of a weird thing to say about an animal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, what did you think should be our national bird instead? Um, the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> We actually did a podcast about turkeys. They're pretty cool. Okay, cool fact number four. They used to be in danger, but now they're least concerned. Okay, so what happened? Professor Von Jaguar presents a Professor Von Jaguar production starring Professor Von Jaguar. In 1963, there were only 417 breeding pairs. In the 1960s and 1970s, their numbers plummeted due to toxic pesticides, especially the pesticide DDT. Hey, like peregrine falcons. Mm-hmm. The eagles would eat fish that had swallowed DDT in the water and made the eagles' eggshells too thin. DDT was banned, and the numbers started to rebound. Woohoo! Party! The government also banned the hunting of bald eagles. Yay! And made their nest and habitat strictly protected. Yay, yay! By 1997, there are more than 5,000 breeding pairs. Yay, yay, yay! Numbers are continuing to grow with now an estimated 150,000 eagles. Yay, 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 yay! All right. Thank you, Professor Von Jaguar. Some good news on the eagle front. Teddy, are they small? No. Are they big? Yeah. How big are they? The females are bigger than the males. Oh, that's unusual. And how big are the females? Three and a half feet long. When your wings are out, it's eight feet. Eight feet across. And what's something else that's eight feet? A small elephant. Or a huge person. A huge person. I'm sensing a pattern. So giraffes, elephants. from Africa. (laughs) Maybe. But they don't live in Africa, right? Don't they only live in North America? Tell me something cool about their mating ritual. When they're mating, then they hold each other's hands. Yeah, their talents. Yeah, their talents. And they do cartwheels in the air sometimes. Yeah, and are they falling down? Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see that? No, no. That would be so cool to see. Speaking of seeing them, Grady, do we see eagles here in Oregon? Oh, no. Wait, Gabrini's playing the right costume for this. And there are a pair of eagles that live in a huge nest in Washington, D.C., right? Okay, next fact. Teddy, how old can they live to be? Um, 48 years old. That's, that's, well, I'm a little bit older than that. That's <laughs> almost as old as me, and I am really old. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's pretty impressive. History of Jaguar has a question. What was it like in the dinosaur dime? Good question, Jaguar. <laughs> All right, and then Clara. Fact number nine. They really have eagle eyes. 
How so? They have see-through eyelids. Oh, like the... Is that like the Tokay gecko that yeah. has the see-through eyelids? All geckos. All geckos? see-through eyelids. They have the normal eyelids that totally close it, and then yeah. they have the see-through ones. And mm-hmm. what do those ones do? Help moisten and keep their eyes clean. That's right. And what else are their eyes really good at? A wider field of vision than most people. They can see more than we can. Mm-hmm. And like, they can see at the ultraviolet light better, too. Mm-hmm. And we've learned about other animals that can see ultraviolet light, like butterflies. Mantis shrimp. Mantis shrimp. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> I'm Rebecca Shear, and welcome to Circle Round, where story time happens all the time. Produced by WBUR, Boston's NPR news station, Circle Round tells folk tales from around the world, featuring top talent from the stage and screen. Here's a taste of a story from our second season. It's called The Great Ball Game. Versions of this tale come from the Cherokee, Creek, Ojibwe, and Menominee people of North America. Some really great performers came together to bring you our story, including William Jackson Harper, who stars opposite Kristen Bell and Ted Danson in NBC's hit comedy series, The Good Place. So, circle around, everyone, for The Great Ball Game. Once upon a time, there was a big quarrel between the animals who roamed the earth and the birds who flew in the sky. The two sides were arguing about who was better. The birds, led by long-legged, long-necked crane, would say something like this. You silly animals, look at us birds. Our wings allow us to soar and swoop up to the clouds. Clearly, we are 100% superior to you awkward, earthbound beasts. Then the animals, led by burly, bulky bear, would say something like this. Hey, not so fast. We awkward, earthbound beasts can run, swim, and slither. Plus, we have teeth. Obviously, we are far more exceptional than you... Flighty bird brains. The bickering went on and on. Then, one day, the two sides actually found something they agreed on. A way to end the squabbling once and for all. We will hold a ball game. Yes. And whoever scores the first goal, his or her team, wins the debate. So, early one morning... All the creatures faced off on a spacious, grassy field, flanked by two goals. On one side of the field were the birds. There was crane, of course, along with hawk and eagle, owl and duck, turkey and crow, raven and sparrow, plus all the other birds who soared and swooped through the air. On the other side of the field were the animals. Led by bear, there was deer and fox, rabbit and skunk, turtle and frog, lizard and snake, plus all the other animals who ran, swam, and slithered on the earth. But just as the game was about to begin, an unfamiliar voice pierced the air. Hey, guys, what about me? Everyone turned to see who was talking. Halfway between the two teams, smack dab in the middle of the field, stood a tiny 
creature nobody had ever seen before. The pint-sized fellow was no larger than a field mouse or a chickadee. But he didn't seem to be an animal or a bird. Because you see, although he was furry, with huge brown oval ears, he also had wings. But his wings weren't covered with feathers. They were covered with skin. The tiny critter's name was, any guesses? That's right, Bat. So, guys, which side should I be on? Bear scratched his shaggy head. Well, little one, clearly you have wings, so you can't be on our side. Crane blinked her beady orange eyes. But look at him. He has fur and teeth, so he certainly can't be on our side. Once again, the birds and animals actually agreed on something. Neither side wanted Bat to join its team. But Bat refused to give up. Look, I'll tell you what. What if I give you three good reasons why you should pick me to join your side? Three reasons. Okay. All right. Reason number one. My hearing. My ears can pick up just about anything. In fact, bear. Right now, I can hear the sound of honey dripping off your right front paw. Bear blushed. Oh, uh, I guess I missed that from breakfast. As for reason number two, my wings. On a good day, I can clock in at nearly 100 miles an hour. Not only that, but reason number three, I can eat bugs like nobody's business. Bat paused. He took a deep breath. So, I ask you all again, which side should I be on? Bat's hopeful eyes darted from one end of the field to the other. Now that both teams knew more about what he could offer, surely they'd change their minds and beg him to join. Right? To find out, you can hear the rest of the story by clicking the archive link on our website, wbur.org slash circle round, or find Circle Round on the Kids Listen app. Listening humans, my name is Lynn Hickernell and I make the Good Words Podcast. In each episode, I use interviews, poems, songs, and more to help explain a different theme word. Like this one. Memento. 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 Memento is an object. An object. An object. An object. An object that serves as a reminder. Serves as a reminder. Serves as a reminder. Reminder. Reminder of something or someone. Something or someone. Something or someone in the past. Something or someone in the past. In the past. Someone keeps a memento because it reminds them of something they want to remember. Anything can be a memento if it evokes special memories and feelings. Do you have any mementos? I am pretty sentimental, so I have a lot of mementos. One thing that I really treasure is a pair of wooden carved bears that a friend made for me as a housewarming gift when I bought my first house. And they really represent the emotion, and I can't even really describe how I felt when I bought my first house. It was 
ineffable, <laughs> but it also represents all the people that were friends at that time and still are friends and how they enjoyed celebrating with me at this special time in my life. Well, reminding me of Dobby, my old dog, it would probably be um, the pictures of him that are everywhere. I was in a production of Once on this Island, and I played the part of a little girl, and she got these two dolls, and the director let me keep them. And it just reminds me of the two people who played what the dolls were. It's just a really good memory because I miss them a lot. I particularly enjoy keeping um, theater tickets as mementos because sometimes I'll go back and look at them again. It reminds me of how much I enjoyed it at the time, even if I can't call it to memory without something jogging that memory. This teddy bear I've had since I was a baby, his name is Ninite, and he reminds me of my Nana, because, yeah, she got it for me, and I've had it for a while, and I love it. I have a bottle of perfume that my mom used to wear. It was her signature scent, and she's been gone for almost 23 years, so... The perfume still reminds me of her. Memento. There are a lot of English words that share that same root, mem, and have to do with being able to keep something in your brain over time. You can probably think of some other ones, like memory or remember. Another word you may have heard is memorabilia, which also refers to objects meant to help someone remember. The difference is that memorabilia typically consists of items specifically sold as souvenirs of an experience. You can buy memorabilia at a concert or a sporting event. But anything that someone keeps because of the memories and meaning it has for them is a memento, even if it didn't cost any money at all. Maybe you're thinking, I don't need to keep any mementos because I have a terrific memory. Another way of saying that would be the phrase, a mind like a steel trap. The idea of this expression is that your memory is strong and tough like steel, so that the memories trapped in it can't escape. There's also a related phrase, a mind like a steel sieve, which means the opposite. A sieve is like a strainer, something used to remove liquid from solid, like when you pour the cooking water off of pasta. A mind like a steel sieve is meant as a humorous way of saying that you are very forgetful, that things just fall through your brain like there were holes in it. Memento. After you're done with this Kids Listen Summer Sampler, I hope you'll find the rest of this episode of the Good Words podcast about the word memento to hear part of a poem by Charlotte Bronte and listen to a song about a really, really big memento. Each episode also includes some jokes in a segment called Get It? You can find the Good Words podcast wherever you found this podcast. Bye for now. Hello, Tailblazers. My friends at Girl Tales told me you would be coming to visit my laboratory. I'm Nova. I'm a scientist and inventor. This is my lab. Over here, I have all the safety equipment I need. As every nine-year-old knows, you can never be too careful when you're working in the lab. Safety first, I always say. No, I always say that. Oh, I almost forgot the most exciting thing in my whole lab. This is Catherine. 
I built an advanced computer, and I named her Catherine. Catherine, please say hello to the Tailblazers. Hello, Tailblazers. I'm pleased to meet you. I hate to interrupt, but Nova, there's a scientific experiment you're scheduled to do. Oh, I almost forgot. The whole reason I built this lab is to spend my time doing experiments. With Catherine's help, I become objects and people and important things from different times and places in order to learn more about them. Thanks to Girl Tales, I can take you with me. Hey, Tailblazers, do you want to come with me for this scientific experiment? Awesome, Catherine. Please activate the particle accelerator and reverse the time dilation. Tailblazers, we're about to go back in time and change me into the Statue of Liberty as she was transported across the Atlantic Ocean from France to the United States in the year 1885. We need to find out how something as heavy as the Statue of Liberty, which weighs 450,000 pounds, the same as 32 school buses, can travel across an ocean. That's today's experiment. Are you ready to go? Let's work together and count down from five to zero. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Here we go! Like we're on a boat at sea. Of course, we're traveling aboard the Isere, the French ship carrying the Statue of Liberty to the United States. That means we're in the year 1885, and the atoms that make up my body have been transformed into the body of the Statue of Liberty. I feel strange. Oh, of course, I've been dismantled for transport. All the parts of the Statue of Liberty are now in separate crates in order to fit on this boat. Three hundred fifty pieces and two hundred fourteen crates, to be exact. This is a little uncomfortable. Isn't it amazing how this boat can stay afloat on the water? The word for the force that keeps boats from sinking is buoyancy. Any object will either float or sink in water, depending on its density. Density is the amount of matter something has compared with how much volume or space it takes up. A coin is more dense than a piece of paper. If something is more dense than water, it will usually sink. If it's less dense, it will float. It doesn't matter how big or small the object is. The basic rule is that an object will sink if it weighs more than exactly the same. Volume of water. Think about your bath toys. Some big toys float, even though they weigh more than some smaller toys that sink. So we are staying afloat right now because the Isere is buoyant. Plus, its density is less than water, even with me weighing four hundred fifty thousand pounds. Oh, look! We're coming into New York Harbor. Soon, I will be standing tall to greet people from all over the world, kids and families who are leaving so much behind to start a new life in this amazing country. What a friendly sight the Statue of Liberty will be to all who make this remarkable journey. Catherine is sending us a message. It's time to head back to the lab. She's activating the particle accelerator. Hold on and count down with me: five, four, three. Two, one, zero. Here we go.
Wow, we're back in the lab. It feels great to be back in one piece, not spread out in 214 boxes on a boat. Nova, it's time to debrief from your experiment. Thank you, Catherine. Well, Tailblazers, I'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe to Girl Tales to join me in my expeditions, to go on exciting fairy tale adventures packed with girl power, and listen to interviews with real life girls around the world making a big difference. I'm Nova, signing off till next time. Written, performed, and produced by me, Tessa Flannery, with help from Rebecca Cunningham and Chad Chennai. Well, Rosie, I hope you enjoyed your what if story. And folks at home, I hope you enjoyed all of these great Kids Listen podcasts. You can find them on the Kids Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd like to thank Karen O'Keefe, my co-creator, Craig Martinson for our theme song, Dan Sachs of Noodle Loaf for putting this whole collaboration together, Angela Ferrari of Story Spectacular for making our fun artwork this week, and all you kids and families at home. Or in your cars for giving something new a try this week. Until we meet again, keep wondering. This is what-